what hides behind anger typically is fear and like sadness, right? This, there's something else hidden behind there, you know? Like you might show up very aggressive because you're actually very scared, you know? And you have to kind of combat that. It's like, I'm very scared in this moment, but I need to overcome the, so I'm gonna be really angry to protect my, my fear mm -hmm. in this moment. Welcome back everyone to the Modern Mask Unity Podcast, a space designed to help redefine what it means to be a man in the modern era. Our aim with this podcast is to support men on their journey towards becoming the best possible version of themselves by providing insight, support, perspective, and most importantly, a safe space to live authentically within a community of conscious kings. We'll be discussing topics such as toxic, toxic masculinity, men's mental health, personal relationships, personal development tips, and powerful guest appearances. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I'm your co-host, CK. And I'm Anwar Ahmed. And today, we're going to be talking about a pretty powerful concept in the man space. It's something that I think we all experience at some point in one way or another. It is anger management and what to do with our anger. But before we do that, you know what time it is. Mood check. Hey, yo, Coach Kyle. What's going on, man? How's your mood today? My mood is good, my man. My mood is good. Uh, there is a lot going on today. Before you get started, it's my birthday. <laughs> I had to have my Kanye West moment. This guy wasn't even going to throw it back at me. This is listen, crazy. Listen, what listen, kind listen. of mood check is this? Happy birthday to you. Let's go. Dun, dun, dun. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Anwar A squared. Happy birthday to you. I'm gonna get the auto tune for myself. I appreciate y'all, fellas. There you go. Let's go. Let's go. Thank you, fellas. Dap up squad. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. How old are you again? 29 and a half. Nice. Baby, 29 and a half. You see me in the streets, don't be saying none of that 30 stuff. That's crazy. <laughs> now nah, I'm turning 30, man, and I, I'm in fully embracing it. I'm excited. This is like, I, you know, they say that like you shed skin like every 10 years or something like that. No, like, I don't know that. You like, I'm not a snake. I, I think it's like every 10 years, you're all new skin. Every skin that you had is all gone. You're all new. It's like, like a cleansing like, experience. Like actual skin or m metaphorical skin. Uh, this guy loves English a little bit too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everyone else was over it already. I but got like, laptop. Let me Google um, it. Yeah, Google it. I think it's eight to 10 years. Every eight to 10 years or something like that. Anyways, where I'm going I think with it's, that. I think is, it's seven, but go ahead. Um, it might be seven. Anyways, it's not about the timeline as much as it is the, the metaphoric feeling of feeling like the 20s are over. You know, it's like that is, is, is done. And I'm in the, what did it say? We're so wrong. What is it? Two to four weeks. Two to four weeks? Human shed. Oh there. no, no, no. Go to from when you were born. Something about when you were born. You're from your birth. Birth? Like you, like at some point, I think it's eighteen or twenty. It's you, at some age you've fully shed your your born skin. Do we fully shed our skin? Do humans shed skin every seven years 
or 10, depending on which story you hear. That's, I think we're, I think we're going down a, a, a hole we don't want to go down. Anyways, going back to the point yeah, yeah, of yeah, basically yeah. being over your 20s and being like, a, it feels like a cleansing experience. It's like you've... The 20s are done now you know it's now you have to take all the knowledge that you learned from your 20s and apply it to your 30s and mm. and do it in a way that is a lot more integral a lot more you know now you know you know what i mean the reality is is that like if your 20s were your trial and error periods well let's actually use the data that you collected from that time and apply it to your 30s and i just feel like having that clean hard break it feels like you know moving into a completely different chapter but one that I view I view hopefully the 30s to be some of the some of my best work because right. of the person I am and what I'm going into. So I'm really excited about mm. the journey. When you so. get when you get to 30, obviously. Yeah, when I get when there. You get there. When I get there, yeah. exactly. Future tense. Future tense. <laughs> how does so how does 30 feel then? How like being specifically now like, like all jokes aside, you are 30. How how is your mood today? Like literally today for everybody listening, today is his is his birthday. We're recording on his birthday. And I walked in and I got a good energy. I got a good vibe, even though he's also selling Ram- celebrating Ramadan. He's a little tired. He's a little hungry. He's a little thirsty. But it, none of that seemed to matter today. You seem like you're in a good headspace just in general. How are you? How, how's your mood today? Uh, I'm, I feel great. Like, I, I just feel really good. I think that um, I think your birthday is always I've always been a big advocate of your birthday, um, regardless of what it you know, you do get all these beautiful messages, which make you feel connected to your community and people that you don't maybe speak to every single day, they start to reach out and all those things feel really good. Um, but just for me, it's there's just some level of feeling of happiness to see another birthday like you know it's always a reflective period i always reflect two times a year it's like new year's i remember everything and my birthday i remember everything you know i always remember where i was last year i always remember um exactly where i was sitting and in this example i was in the middle of a pandemic and now i'm still in the middle of a pandemic so um nothing to report back guys sorry that year (laughs) nothing Um, but yeah i just in terms of how i feel i feel really good Mm -hmm. i feel really excited for the next chapter and um I think I'm also finally getting over what 30 really made me realize was I had a plan in my mind and I think that the plan was working for a long period of time until right now. And I, I feel like I've, this turning of 30 has had to make me let go of the timeline. Mm. Like whatever timeline I had in my mind that I was trying to like aim for and stuff, it has to be gone. It has mm. to be let go because it's not, it doesn't, the numbers don't add up anymore. You know, I wanted to get a degree before I was 25. I wanted to be, you know, I like all those little markers that you put out and I'm looking at the age I'm at and where I am. And I feel like this is the first time in my life where I've kind of been like, I'm a bit surrendering to the process. I'm like, well, here we are. We're at the 30 number and you're looking around and you're like, I'm not necessarily where I wanted to be. I'm not necessarily what I said I was going to do, but I'm happy Mm. and I have friends and I have family and I have all these other things. So it's, why did I even care about that number in the first place? You know? And to me that, that surrendering process really made me feel like it's just a number, man. Mm-hmm. And it's really about the journey and, and how you feel inside. And I literally feel 22. So it's perfect. That's a great way to feel. I always feel young inside. I love that. And I really honor the fact that you got to that point. Cause I know a lot of people don't and they live their whole lives trying to live up to the age expectation of whatever it is, whether it's themselves or society. And I really praise you for coming to that place because I know it's not easy. I've had my own struggles with it. And so that that's pretty incredible. But coming back before I know we move on, um, we have a lot to talk about today. 
you said that you often reflect, so I don't know if you have yet, but I'm going to put you in the space over the last year. I know it's been COVID. I know a lot of things have been happening. What's the biggest lesson you've learned about either yourself or life in the last 12 months? That's a loaded question. I think that's a super loaded question. Um, in, in, in reflection to my birthday and my, and my age, I'm going to kind of keep it in that, um, that space in that bubble. Cause I've learned a lot over the year. Like this year, I, it's endless. The amount of things that I've learned, cause it's been a lot of alone time. There's been a lot of time in your own mind. And so I feel like anytime you spend enough time there, you're going to learn something hopefully. But I think for me, the best thing that the biggest thing that I've learned is, um, that I think what I kind of just shared this idea that I had to let go of that timeline. Mm. I had to let go of, you know, because COVID literally said, Hey, you're on my timeline now. You know, and so it almost mentally made us all forced to force our hand and go, okay, well, my timeline's on hold, but how can I maximize the time still, even though the plans might be held back? And I genuinely feel like I've grown in the last 12 months without even leaving my apartment, Mm. you know, and that to me, just the ability to know that I can get rid of this idea of what I think 30 represents and that I can grow in places that I never thought I could grow in. Those are the two, you know, it just, it just highlights the, the fact that this is really about the journey. It's not about, it's how are you growing in these spaces that you're always, you're navigating already. Mm. You're a friend to somebody already. You're, a, you, you know, you're, you have siblings or you have a brother or you have a mom, you have a dad, like you are playing a role in life right now, regardless of whether you're 30, 28, 29, how are you growing in your roles? And how are you not allowing the external factors or your age dictate how you act? You know, um, I shouldn't be acting a certain way. I think I hear often people say behavior that is associated to an age. Like I'm 30 now, I can't go out. Right. I'm this now, I can't do this. I'm that now, I can't do that. And those limiting words that are so attached to ages and certain areas of life. And you're, you're 22, you shouldn't be here anymore. Or, you know, all those things. It's like, for me the sobering experience was just like, none of that matters. Am I good enough to be here? Can I grow in this relationship regardless of whether we can go on a date outside or not? What are the, what are the opportunities that are in front of me right now, regardless of age, regardless of, am I up to them and can I do them? And if I want them, then do them. Mm. If, if you want to ascend or try to get an, a goal that doesn't have anything to do with, you know, maybe 30 is too old for that goal, forget it. Mm. Go for it if you want to do it. Um, and for me, I think that, that that sobering experience of surrendering to timelines and knowing that I can grow in small spaces, I don't, it doesn't need to be crazy. You can grow as a person in very, very, in anything mm-hmm. if you want to. Those are probably the two biggest lessons for me. Love it. Love it. Thanks for sharing. What about you, Matt? How are you doing today? Uh, yeah, you took uh, my mood away uh, selfishly about your birth. I don't know why it's about you. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. A bit weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even want to celebrate in the first place. Now he wants to celebrate. I don't understand where we're at. Um, I'm good. No, I am good. I had a really, really good week. Last weekend was a tough one for me. Uh, personally had a really, really tough weekend. It took me out a lot of overwhelming thoughts. I noticed that I was feeling some type of way about something. And not letting that feeling pass through me. It was kind of just almost landing as if it was like little mini rockets or spaceships just kind of landing on me. And I just wasn't choosing to release them or shake them off. They were just there all the time. And it got to the point where finally one more was added to the pile. And 
my emotional control was just all over the place. I was, I felt debilitated physically at one point where I just didn't want to do anything. So it was a pretty challenging weekend, but I recognized that on, I think it was the Sunday night, I messaged a friend with no expectation of a response because he knows the most about my current journey. And I just messaged him, this is how I feel. And there was a lot of guilt and shame about it, but I just texted him that and that was it. He actually didn't respond until the next day, which is no fault of his own. But it was just, I think, the text that allowed me to be like, oh, okay, I see it now. Because you can think it, right? And I kind of wanted to journal, but I just, I didn't feel the pull. And I think that it's really easy to say, go write it down. You know, it's easy to say those things. But in the moment, there no part of you wants to write it down. And so for me, I just knew that I needed to always embrace my own wisdom that I share with people. So I messaged him that. And then the next morning, things were things were great. I felt good about it. Um, so I was just working through that. So this week has been really good. I feel really fantastic about it. I got a lot of great stuff done. Uh, I was brought back on to a TV show in Portland live for the second time, which was great. And then I had really good conversations with our tether sponsor, Addison, which was fantastic. That also allowed me to reflect a lot about mm-hmm. some things in my journey that I didn't see coming. So overall, like growth wise, which is my favorite thing about life is growth. Um, it fuels me. So I feel fantastic. I feel absolutely ready to go. And we had a great little celebration for your birthday last night. So I feel, I feel pretty good about the, nice. so, the small social connection we were able to have yesterday. My friends, let's talk about mental health and the sponsor of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Tether, a peer enabled mental health and well-being platform for men. Tether helps men find meaning and purpose through community, accountability pods, and a 24-7 support network. Tether invites us all to be a part of changing the face of masculinity and letting every man know that struggling and vulnerability doesn't make you any less of a man. It simply makes you human. And for me, I've had a lot of personal experience with this app. I've used it many times. I've shared a lot of vulnerable moments. I've shared some strength moments, some exciting moments. The app is open for everyone to simply just share. And like I said in the introduction, a peer-enabled space where we're supporting each other without any pressure to fix, just simply to honor each other's journey. They also just added in a conscious content section where they're sharing podcasts, they're sharing blog posts. It is a really powerful space. So we really want to implore you and encourage you to download it from the app and Google store. It is Tether, T-E-T-H-R, available on both app stores. Join the community. I promise you will not regret it. Let's get into the topic for the day. We mentioned at the in- introduction, we're talking about anger today. Why are we talking about anger? What's the point? Anger. I mean, are we sick of anger? Why do we want to talk about anger? Yeah, I mean, what's the point is very obvious. There's a lot of problems that can come with if you don't deal with anger in the right way. There's prison cells are filled with the problems of anger mm. misused. Mm. There's a lot of women that have horrible stories to share about anger that was misused. There's a, a hell of a good, a lot of good reasons to talk about anger. I think the better question is to talk about what is hidden behind anger. Mm. What is anger actually? Because as you know, you've read and I've read too, is that like anger is a secondary emotion. Mm. 
right? So there's a lot of layers underneath, but that's what we choose to express. And that expression of anger is a big problem. But then on the contrary, also anger is the only socially acceptable emotion to respond to in the male space. Mm. That's the only one that we're really kind of allowed or we've seen. Um, How do you align with that statement? I'm not going to move on yet because actually that's something I wanted to talk about. When you hear someone say anger is the only emotion men are allowed to feel, what do you think of that statement? I just think about, you can think about it, look at it in sports. When a, when a guy gets angry about a call, when a guy gets, you're not like, you're not upset about it. You're not mad. That expression is fine. Like if you, if you yelling at a ref and you're angry and you're pissed and you smack the bench or you do something that's angry, like no one's mad at that person. You see it as frustration. Like you see it as he's, he's, he's angry about the call or whatever the case may be. So, um, or anytime you like get into an alter, like, you know, if you, if you are, if a man shows up to a, a club and there's a situation and there's a bouncer and he yells and he gets angry and he ends up getting his way and he gets in, it's like, oh, he had to yell to get what he needed to get to the place. Like it's socially acceptable in the sense that like no one really will, if it gets too bad, then it's not socially acceptable. No one's saying it's socially acceptable to hit somebody that you weren't supposed to hit or anything like that. But just when you look out in the public eye, like look at anger. And then close your eyes and think about how many times you've seen a man in an angry situation, whether it was in a movie, a sporting event, and then close your eyes and think of a man crying. Which one rubs you the wrong way? Which one aligns with the men's space and which one doesn't? It's as simple as that. And that's what socially acceptable means to me is if you don't feel like there's a, a, a riff in your body when you think about it. You think about a man crying, there's something that like you're like, is that supposed to be there? Like that looks like it's not supposed. You see an angry man, you're like, that seems normal. I've seen my dad upset before. I've seen my dad slam doors before. Like it's like you don't bat an eye about an angry man because you've seen it. You mm-hmm. see it out. You see it every day. It's it's the most like normal one that you see. A man crying, you're like, what's wrong with him? Mm-hmm. There's a lot more of a, a reaction to that. Mm. Um, that's what I think they mean by socially acceptable. It's just like it's more common. It's mm. more common to see. Gotcha. I wanted to bring it up because you know my obsession with language and you know how I feel about certain words and certain phrases. And so for me, what I recognize is we have dove more into this space and all of last year and this year with the podcast now is that everyone says this phrase. Everybody, everybody we talk to says anger is the only emotion men are allowed to feel. And if I'm being honest with you, I'm kind of sick of it because for me, I almost feel like we're using it as a cop out to just allow it to continue. It's kind of like for me, the toxic versus unhealthy conversation. Not to say that this isn't facing, I guess, a reality in in a moment, right? It's not saying that anger is the only emotion men are allowed to feel. Sure, that could be a potential reality. That's fair. I understand that we're addressing that. But how long, how many years have we been addressing this statement and we, we're still saying it? For me, it's it, what are we saying on top of that? And for me, in the statement, it says allowed to feel. And yet we express anger and we are belittled for it. We are berated for it. We're not praised for it. So allowing almost makes it feel like go ahead and do it when no one really wants you to show your anger. But when they see it, they feel like that's just the only emotion you have because we're not expressing any other emotion. We're only expressing anger. So for me, the statement is almost anger is the only emotion men feel is almost where, where the, where the social stigmatization would come in is anger is the only emotion men feel. And if you ended at that, then there's almost, it almost feels, 
I guess as a man, maybe a little bit of an attack. So maybe it's not perfect, but it makes you think, oh, no, it's not the only thing I feel. And then you start to acknowledge that you have other emotions. Here, it's like anger is the only emotion we're allowed to feel. I feel like puts us more maybe in a box. I don't know. For me, I'm just kind of spitting off the cuff here. But I've had a challenge with this. We just heard it yesterday in another meeting. And it just, it, it bothered me. It just, it bothered me. It just the way people express anger is the only emotion men are allowed to feel is just, oh, this is the only emotion we're allowed and, to and, feel. And what do you mean only allowed to feel? Like, like the language, that part rubs me the wrong way too. Like the only one allowed to, you're allowed to feel as many emotions as you want. You're playing the social game. You're in your mind playing a different game. Why, mm-hmm. Who's allowing you to not and not feel? And like, that's my you thing made too. That, you made that choice yourself. Like we have traumatic events. We have challenging upbringings i totally understand that and i'm not trying to discredit those moments but the challenge for me a lot of the times is of course there is social pressure but a lot of that social pressure is self-built self-conditioned it's not actually societally conditioned you're making the choice even as an adult right like yes you have to work through your your inner child work and your your child trauma work and i know that's difficult again I'm i'm not trying to discredit that but at some point there has to be a level of self-efficacy where we start to take responsibility for the decisions we are. And if we keep saying this out loud to people, then men are just going to continue to adopt this statement. Man, anger is the only emotion men are allowed to feel. We're just going to continue to adopt it. That's how I see it. And that's my challenge with it is again, it's just, it's like a blanket that just covers everything. Mm-hmm. And then you just, you just never get out of under the covers because you're covered by the blanket. And so for me, I think that saying this, out loud is just it's not serving anybody anymore it's not fulfilling any role it's not fulfilling any movement and it's not helping it's not helping at all anger is the only emotion men are allowed to feel i'm going to say this over and over again until people for me at least can hear the the passion in my voice because it just it's confusing to me and it ne- has never helped me when i hear this i don't be like oh right i'm allowed to feel that i feel better now i don't feel that. i don't feel that do you I don't, but I do feel like it is the only emotion men for a very long time express. Um, better. There we go. Anger is the only emotion men often express. Even better. You say that, way better. For me, that, that sounds so much clearer to me than allowed to feel. Because it is an, an emotion we, only, we often express the most. I get that. That for me is like, yeah, that's, that's facts. But allowed to feel? No. No, yeah. one's, no one's saying you're only allowed to feel this. It's yeah. just the one you express the most. Exactly. Like you're a little bit caught up in the game. What about, you know, yourself though? What about feeling and expressing anger? What is your relationship with, you know, expressing anger and, you know, how you've kind of used anger in your past or how it's shown up in your life? Um, talk to me about that. Well, let's start, let's start young. Um, for those that don't know, my mom hit me when she was 15. So I, know, I don't know if I've shared that before, but having a uh, teenage family, is not the most ideal situation that you could be in. And not because it's bad or good, it's because of the emotional maturity that comes with age happens, right? You could be 15 and be emotionally mature, but a 30-year-old is gonna be still eons ahead of, or in just in a, in a more strengthened space, optimized space. So for me growing up, uh, my father was adopted, my biological father. So being adopted, I'm just coming to this realization now. I can only imagine the challenges that come with that, being adopted, not knowing who your parents are, um, having obviously, uh, what is it? Is it, I'm just going to say it, 
guardians because I can imagine you probably don't really see them as parents at some point. And that would come with a lot of struggles. And for me, I don't even know the story of how he got there. I don't know how the story of like, or even if he does, of how he got to his adopted parents, my technically grandparents. I don't, I don't know that story. So what happened before that for me is a considerably traumatic event is how I'm going to choose to see it because that's probably what happened. So in that moment, he's in his youngest years. He's the most malleable. He's not probably even seven yet. Who knows how young he is? He's already gone through this huge traumatic event. And then he comes in at 19 years old and has a child. And you can't tell me that that was planned. I'm good with that, but you can't tell me that was planned. So then you throw him to the world when he's not ready and expect him to operate on a high caliber way. And that's really unrealistic, Mm -hmm. especially in that time where we're now, well, how old am I? Almost, I'm 29 now, 29 years later, where we're still trying to figure out how men can express their emotions. Can you imagine 30 years ago, how much worse it was? This wasn't even really a big focus as it is now. So everything was different. So I say all of that to come to the surface of the fact that uh, anger was the only emotion he often expressed. It's the only one I really saw. And that for me was a struggle for me to deal with because I have three sisters and a mother and an aunt who are my constants. And for them, anger wasn't the only emotion that they expressed, right? They were, I would say more in their feminine energy, they're nurturing, they're loving, they're caring energy. And what ended up happening was I just was surrounded by his anger, which was either at me or at the people I love and care about. When he left the picture a year or two later, my sister's father came into the picture. He was the exact same way just overly expressive with his anger. And when I, when I say expressive with anger, I'm talking verbal abuse. I'm talking rage. I'm talking not physical abuse, but I would say kind of like keying the car type vibes. Like it would be that kind of, I won't attack you specifically as a person with my body, but your possessions, I will things like that. So I was surrounded by that with him so no different. Then a stepfather came in, who was uh, the, probably the most constant in my life as a man figure. And at that point, I think my mom had kind of essentially said enough is enough with what is being surrounded with. However, behind the scenes, he also wasn't comfortable with his own emotions based on his fatherhood, which I'm not going to share, but based on his upbringing was really challenging. So he didn't know his emotions either. So then he came into the picture. So basically every man that came into my space just didn't know how. On top of that, my grandfather doesn't know how either. So no one in my circle knew what their emotions were. So anger was the only one. And the the craziest part is that I didn't recognize until recently that some of them who didn't overly express their anger chose to take anger the other way and say peace. Because anger can be expressed in an avoidant way. It doesn't always come out overly expressive. So that only clicked for me recently where that anger was expressed internally, couldn't deal with it. Peace out. I'm not, I'm not talking to anybody anymore in your family. So that led me to anger management when I was younger than 10. I know that. Let me, before you get to the anger management part, I have Hit a me. question about um, 
because we were talking about allowed to was it was it the phrase that they said yeah anger is the only emotion men are allowed to feel allowed to feel the statement says um and you were saying that it's a little bit like like a it's a blanket right it's like Mm -hmm. the like the cover-up it's interesting because in the story you're obviously a kid at this point but even a young kyle at some point he only probably felt like that statement was true to him in a weird way because if your parents were like your mom and your your constants were always nurturing and they obviously would have allowed your self to be yourself because mm-hmm. they were nurturing openly they're like you could cry kyle or you could do whatever you want with us mm-hmm. and then you would see this one active figure come in and it would be the the tornado of the world but then it but then you get to a point where you're just leveraging anger even though you were allowed to do everything else you you were living a, a embodiment of being allowed to use other expressions but you gravitated towards anger as an expression that dynamic is interesting to me because that's probably what the world is dealing with. You know, even if we are allowed the opportunity to have a bit more of a vulnerable space and it's there and we can see it, we can touch it, we're still reaching for anger for some reason. There's something about it that, do you have an answer like of why that maybe is? Uh, as I think about what you're saying, something is coming to my mind about this statement again, anger is the only emotion men are allowed to feel. When all of that was happening in my space from multiple different parties, I never felt like it was okay. It didn't matter how often it happened. I never knew it was, I never felt like it was okay. I always knew it was wrong every single time. And that was based on how I felt when I received it, how it was received from the people around me, specifically my mother. And the repercussion that came from that, the, the, the battle back of what was going on, because usually it was one-sided, but when it gets to that point, it's rage. Rage is one-sided. It, to me, ma- match rage with rage is rare. So for me, what I saw it was, again, back to your statement, anger is the only emotion men express, because that's all I saw. Anger is the only emotion men express. So I never felt like they were allowed to feel it. I never felt like they were right in there feeling that. So for me, the challenge for me was it was conditioned into me that that was emotion that was often expressed in an unhealthy way. So for me, it was out of my control. There was nothing I could have done at that point. Being from age zero to seven, again, the most malleable time, whatever was happening in my space is what I'm going to adopt. I have no control over that because I don't have the mental and psychological caliber to do that yet. I haven't developed that brain. So I'm just taking in. So I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. No one is doing it in a healthy way. So I just copy you. Whatever you do, I do. So I would say to come into your question, if I heard you right, I think that if it's the only emotion men are seeing when they're young or young boys are seeing when they're young, then yes. I think that if it wasn't though, and now they're seeing it at an older age, it's easier to make the decision to not go that route because the mental maturity has happened. Does that answer your question? Is that getting to the point? Yeah, yeah, it does. I, just, I, I was very kind of curious about kind of if you had kind of other emotions present. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah. You I had other emotions that you could have leveraged, but you still somehow found a way to be more attached to anger. Not with the men, though. I would say I didn't have an, uh, other emotions with the men that were in my life. Or I'll, I'm going to call um, old boys. Not with them, but with my, uh, read the rest of my family, yes. Yeah, so I was still able to express my sadness. I was still able to express um, my discontent, my happiness. I was still able to do that. 
I think that sometimes it took anger to get to that point of feeling like that's what I was feeling, but I didn't really recognize in the moment. My mom did a lot of good work with me on that. So sometimes anger was the, the caveat or the, the launch pad to that, which I think is often the case, but I didn't really learn that in the process. I was so young. I wasn't paying attention because anger continued to be a part of my place until, well, I don't even know what age, like not young twenties. Anger was still a part of my life, just in less caliber. Like it took a really long time to work through and process to get to where I am today. Mm. So, uh, yeah, coming back to your original question. Yeah. Anger has been a part of my life for my whole life, my entire life. And I think now being in the man space, I think it's just more of a conversation now than it is being witness to it. I don't really see it often anymore. I think if I do, it's in the news or something that's an abrupt moment of, of a man doing that. I don't really see it anymore. So I think also too, what was a big influence in my life is when I was 11 um, or 12, there was a decision made where, uh, I wouldn't really be my, my father, biological father wouldn't be responsible for me in any caliber. My mom would have full custody. And so when that happened, I felt like I had made the choice to stop seeing him. So I was separated on top of that. I moved schools and moved homes. So I had a complete life shift. And in that moment, I, I refer to that as my, my launch pad in life. If there was ever a moment where my life went from absolutely terrible to absolutely fantastic, it's that one moment. And that's where my emotions started to regulate as well. Less anger, less expressiveness like that, more comfortable with myself, more confident. Everything changed in that moment. But there was multiple different ways. It wasn't just uh, not being surrounded by him. So, And I like that because you, you had mentioned, um, I think you may have mentioned in another episode or maybe in our conversation, but you were saying that like, anger management was it classes or yeah yeah yeah. anger management classes just felt like a labeling like it felt like you were just being labeled an angry kid but it's cool to hear you talk about more better than the anger management classes was just that little transition period that you needed Mm -hmm. like a like that regulated the anger the the expression but all the anger management classes did nothing but label you which is crazy like to, to hear it out loud like you're going to a class to solve a problem and all you do is shift locations, yeah. shift your environment and the problem starts solving itself. Yeah. A lot, a lot happened there and it's hilarious thinking back to it. Cause in my, my junior years, my like K to five and part of six, uh, grade six, I was, I was a piece of crap. I was suspended. I was getting into queries with other guys. I was making some terrible decisions. Uh, I was in trouble a lot. And that was, um, an expression of my just uncomfortability with life. I didn't know what to do with it. So I was just trying to find some way to, to have fun, I'm sure, or to lash out on some level. Cause I was just so upset with what was going on. And it was, I actually changed in the middle of school years. It was like November, two, three months into school. And that's when I changed schools and I'd never done that before ever. So for me, it was all brand new. Um, but that transition, it was getting away from who I was hanging out with, which I didn't realize was going to be so powerful. And I think that's interesting to come as an adult and realize how powerful your inner circle is to get out of that space that is putting you in a position to act a specific way you don't want to act anymore and moving into this new one where you don't know how anybody acts anymore. So now you just got to wait and see and hang out and just watch from a distance and then make the conscious decision to choose where you go, which is what I had to do and what I did just it's just completely different mm-hmm. it's it's pretty wild to see that childhood experience come into my full play as an adult and still trying to figure out how to do that as an adult as i grow um 
But yeah, my anger pretty much dissipated at that point. The only time it came up was in relationships, which is only natural based on how I saw it come out. So, you know, from, for me, in, in terms of like anger for me, it was completely different to you. Yeah. You mentioned that it just wasn't really a thing in your life, but, but there, it's not like, I'm not an angry person. You know, it's not to say that, Hey, I didn't eat the, I just dealt with it completely differently. Right. My anger was way more passive aggressive avoidance. Mm. When I got angry and got frustrated, I would run, you know, I would avoid, I would run because I knew that I knew at a very young age, I, violence just wasn't something that I was, I was interested in. It just wasn't something that it was to me. It wasn't a way of solving a problem. Mm -hmm. And so it never served me every time I resorted to any kind of violence or an anger rage. Um, it ended nowhere. I didn't get to where I, I didn't get the goal that I wanted, you know? Um, and so for like the, like in, in getting technicals, you're just, you just get kicked out of the game. Like, you know what I mean, you get angry, you get kicked out of the game. Direct like the, repercussions. The, the game is over for you. Yeah. You, I remember, um, a very, very specific moment in my childhood too. There was, uh, we were playing, we were playing hockey, ball hockey outside on the, in the school courtyard. And I remember I had the ball, I was doing a move on a guy and the guy slashed me and he hit my thumb. Like, but he was trying to go for my stick, but he hit my thumb. And he had hit my stick a couple times before that too. And I kind of just let it go. I kind of let it go. And I'm, at, I'm in grade five at this stage. Um, and he hit my thumb. And I remember I turned around and I cross-checked him. And I didn't see the wall was right there. I, cro I literally looked at him and I cross-checked him. And he went face first into the wall and smashed his head into the wall. And he cut his, he cut his eye. He cut his eye. Needed to get six stitches. So he gets, he gets put into the little like whatever the medical area in our school is. And I have to sit in the office and he's in there and they're attending to him and someone comes in and takes him in the ambulance. And, and she asked me, why did you do that? And I felt like at that time I had merit for my actions. This guy slashed my hand. Like I'm playing the sport. He wasn't, he wasn't also that good either. So he was just trying to get mm -hmm. involved. He just slashed my hand. I knew he wasn't like a good player and he was just trying to get something going. He had done it a couple of times, but he hit my stick a couple of times. <laughs> this time it hit my hand and it was excruciating pain. And the reaction was turn around and just everything I felt right back at him. And I'd never, I've never been angry. So it was like, I don't really have episodes like that. So it's very vivid. It's very like, and it ended in a dude having to go to the hospital, getting mm -hmm. six stitches over his eyes, me getting suspended for two days. And it was like, I never really thought about it until this conversation, but like, that was, that was it for me. I've never like hit anybody or it was, that was such a dramatic experience of like how my reaction immediately, like not controlling that motion of like, ow, I'm in pain. I'm going to inflict it back on you. How quickly it escalated. And I remember we had to have like a sit down and we had to talk about it. And me and the kid like sat, sat across from him. And I was like, Hey man, I'm sorry. I did not mean to do that. Like you hit me in the hand. I was just angry, blah, 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 blah. But that is the only moment in my life where I was like, no, that's not how I'm dealing with things. How old were you? I was in grade five. Mm. I was in grade five. But I'd never, I'd never been in trouble. So my resume at that point in school was just like, this kid is a great kid. He's good. good at, and then I got suspended for two days out of nowhere. Mm. And it was like weird to my teachers and everything. Like what happened? And every kid saw that I cut this kid's head open and that everyone knew that I inflicted pain on this person. And it, for me, it was like the moment of like, and I'm only really noticing in this conversation, I've never even talked about that story ever again, but I just remember vividly being like, 
that is not how I want to deal with things. Like my hands aren't how I'm going to accomplish things. I'm going to try to use my voice. Like, but when using your voice and it makes sense to why my avoidance style is avoid when you can't get through to someone with your words and you've run out of lingo, you got to go. Cause what I'm saying isn't landing. And so I got to, I got to get out of here either go find another vocabulary to re-explain to you how I feel because I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to be. So once I run that thing, when I, once I run my vocabulary course, it's done for me. Mm. I gotta, I gotta go, I gotta hide. And that's why I think, and sometimes I use language as very passive aggressive. And like, that's how my anger comes out is mm. I get really short with people. Like if, if you're frustrating me or you're getting me annoyed, I just, sh- I start to shut down. You start to see it in my, my tone of voice. And, but I would never, I don't have, I genuinely don't have a feeling of wanting to hit anything mm. or wanting to be angry that like, it's almost so suppressed that I don't feel that that doesn't come from me. I don't got to control that mm. feeling, What I got to control is the mood that I'm giving off the person. Mm. It's warm. It's fuzzy. It's great. Something switches in the room. It's gone. <laughs> and my, my wear my emotions on my sleeve. So it's very obvious that something has took a turn. Yeah. Something is not here. And so what I work on is how do you make that landing a little bit softer? Mm. How do you show that, Hey, things were great. And then you said that one thing in the conversation that I wasn't really vibing with, but I'm not going to control all delete the rest of the conversation. Right. I'm going to somehow get better at vocalizing how that thing made me feel so we can continue the rest of this conversation. Mm. Um, that's my, more my struggle. And that's always been, and I kind of grew up in a household where, um, and I think also why I thought like violence was never really, I grew up in a household where like they spoke, you listened, you did not have like a temper tantrum does not happen in my household. You are not going to bang the floor and go, "Ah, that doesn't exist. So like that is never, that will always get you in more trouble. Mm -hmm. So being like, I hate this wasn't gonna work Mm -hmm. not with the parents that i had it was very much like like it was almost like explain to me what you did that was like that was like my mom's my mom one of my mom's famous lines and to this i mean it might have been a little bit of like mental psychology was she didn't believe in accidents that was her number one thing she would you would get in trouble you would explain that it was an accident she'd be like her first rebuttal would always be like nothing is an accident you did this on purpose. And it was almost like a way of making you be like, if you're lying to me, accidents don't happen in my mind. So go ahead and tell me the truth. And if it was like, if you kept saying it was an accident, then she would finally believe that. Okay. It was, Cause she obviously knows if you knock a glass off the table, that's an accident, but she would make you believe that that you couldn't have done that by accident, that you did it in purpose. Mm. She'd be like, why did you put the glass here? She was such a like, you had to be so aware of why you were doing everything you were doing and be conscious of, she didn't believe in accidents and you would make an accident and start thinking about how you're going to explain the accident mm-hmm. in Lehman's terms. Cause she was coming home and you knew she wasn't going to buy that. It was an accident. Mm-hmm. So you'd be like, I have to explain why. Cause she would find every hole in your story. Cause if she said, stay upstairs and the thing was broken downstairs, why are you down here? Mm-hmm. And that's what she means by nothing is an accident. It's like, if you were never down here, this would have never spilt. You would have been in your room. You consciously were down here. You made this mistake happen. You did this. You, so for me, it was always a very much of like anger was never really a way of it was I need to solve the problem and by able to explain what I did wrong or how I did it because I need to explain to the boss. And that's my mom at the time. And as I kind of grew older, it was like that just kind of became how I dealt with things is I got to talk my way through it. 
and why I am the way I am in terms of how I deal with anger is because I can't always make sense of what I'm thinking. And so I have to walk away or mm. avoid. And there's people that I will like, I won't talk to you forever because I don't know the language to speak to you in. So mm. I don't really have grudges with people, but like, I feel like if there was someone where I, I would go that route versus like ever getting to a point where I wanted to hit you that mm-hmm. that never solved the problem for me. Mm. I mean, it was very evident in that, that at one event with, I'll never forget the kid's name, Wayne. Um, it's interesting. There's so many things that I want to pull out of what you just said there. But one came to mind is there was one outburst in your life of, of what would be an overly expressive anger to maybe rageful moment, right? Inflicting pain on someone else. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So when we, that's why I asked you what, how old you were, because I wasn't quite sure even if you reflected this far into it yet, but usually in those moments when those outbursts happen, like I've mentioned, I've had many outbursts in my life when they've happened. Um, there is an initial cause that seems like it's the problem, but it's always something deeper than that. So I was going to ask you, do you remember what was going on in your life outside of that, maybe at home or through school or um, through something else relationship wise that was happening at that time in your life that could have been potentially the deeper root cause of why you felt it necessary in that one moment to physically check this guy into the boards in that moment, even though you've never done that before. You know what? I know where you're going with this. And Mm -hmm. I think it might be a lot more relatable to my adult life. Like when I lash out at my adult life or I avoid or I whatever, there's probably something else going on. Like if I show up and I'm short with you, I'm probably stressed out from work. Like Mm -hmm. I know that my behavior is kind of dictated with what's going on in my mind a lot of times. But in that moment, it was it was pain for pain. I was you slashed my hand. All I felt was the rage from my thumb. And it came out right back out. I don't think there was anything else that was motivating my mm. my reasoning to hit this guy. Mm. Um, and we were playing, by the way, like, you know, hockey is played with gloves. But we were playing barehanded in, in, and it was cold. Like, mm. this hurt. Like, it was just a one for one. It was an eye for an eye moment. Mm. Um, but I do understand the idea that, like, anger is, a, like, you know, what hides behind anger typically is fear and, like, sadness, right? This there's something else hidden behind there, you know, like you might show up very aggressive because you're actually very scared, you know, and you have to kind of combat that. It's like, I'm very scared in this moment, but I need to overcome the, so I'm going to be really angry to protect my, my fear mm-hmm. in this moment. Um, and with fear comes a lot of other words, right? Anxiety, you know, worry. Um, and so I think that like, if you really deep into what you're kind of saying here is like, if you really deep in, dig into your anger specifically, and you start to unpackage it, you have to face bigger demons. And those demons typically are like harder to unpackage and harder to express. And which is what the journey that we're on right now is because underneath behind fear, behind anger is fear. Well, fear isn't something that men want to admit. I can't admit that I'm scared. That doesn't really resonate. Right. And then if you go behind that is, Oh, I got to admit I have anxiety. That's even an even scarier place to get to con- like so even just going down if you look at that spectrum if you chose if someone said hey these are these are the orders you can go anger you can admit that you're scared or you can tell that you can admit that you have anxiety well on that checklist and I'm looking around at the world probably picking anger because fear is clearly something that like we can't show we're not allowed to show or it's not like one of those things that you want to show if you show that you're it comes with weakness it comes with a lot of other things. Um, and anxiety is something that like we all men and women are all we haven't really come to the idea of like being okay with telling someone hey i have a lot of anxiety 
you know, we just suppress it and try to deal with it. And we've, we've figured out ways to navigate and control our own anxiety. And there's some people that literally live in that state all day about everything all day. And some of us get it in moments of when we're really in an uncomfortable place, but some people live in that state all the time about everything that they do. Right. So I don't think anxiety, we've gotten to the point where being in a business meeting and being able to just be like, Hey boss, I'm dealing with a lot of anxiety right now about this meeting. I don't think that that's a space that we're in yet. I don't think that that's like something that we're sharing yet. Right. So if anxiety is way behind the curtains and fear comes with a lot of negative stigma, well then we kind of go back to the first question where you were saying that like, why is so anger socially acceptable? That little list there just kind of shows you why we'd be pointing towards anger. Because mm. if those are my options of choices, this one makes the most sense for what socially is acceptable. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but yeah, for me, it's, I've never had an episode like that. So it never really came from anything specific in my own life or in my own space. I've, mm. I've never really had, um, I've never been punched. Like I've never even dealt with physicality before, you know, mm-hmm. from somebody else, you know, I bet I've dealt with physicality from my mother, like someone who loves me. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, so, you know, those, and I know that there's different stories for that as well. You know, like first generation, uh, you know, come people come from immigrant parents, something that we have to, and I know it's not, it worked for me though. That level of discipline worked for me. It didn't work for everybody. It maybe didn't work for my sister, you know, it maybe didn't work for, but that level of discipline worked for me. Cause I was one of those people who like you do, you get hit, you don't do again. Like it was a, it was a very good metric for me of understanding life where some people took more of a psychological approach. Like they, their psychology, their psychology got hurt by this expression of love in this way. Like how can love look like this? Like you're, you're, you know, but that's the culture that my mom and my dad grew up in is you do something wrong. You get, you get hit. Mm. Right. And so they got raised in that. Then they bring these kids to North America and they're carrying these old traditions. Right. And it lands for some and it doesn't land for some. For me, that I didn't take as much of a, a trauma to it, mm-hmm. but it might have affected maybe my siblings differently. And I know that all first generation Canadians aren't like, like they're not all, they don't have, all have the story. Some of them are like, yeah, I got, I got my ass whooped, man. It was fine. It taught me something. Some people are like, I, that was confusing. That was a hard journey for me to ex- like go through. But for me, that was my lifeline. So I never saw that violence as any kind of like, that's my mom. Mm-hmm. You know, like I never saw that. To me, an enemy hitting me would have been different. I would have, I would have seen that completely different. I'm like, you don't even know me. Why are you hitting me? You clearly don't care about me. You're not hitting me out of love or like, you know, my mom would be hitting me out of course correction. You're going left. I need you to go right. Mm. You're going right. I need you to go left. I knew that there was benefits to her harm or her expression of love and d- d- discipline, but I never got hit from somebody outside of the, mm-hmm. the outside of my space that I didn't care about me. And I think that maybe that has a lot to do with how I view a physicality as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that I've never been, I've always been the person who broke up fights. If I saw them at bars or whatever the case may be, I'm always the guy who's trying to break it up. I always think that there's a better way. Um, but mm. I think sometimes in those moments, people don't have words. So that's why they go to that. Right. In an altercation, it's like, there's no words to be expressed here. And I do think that there is levels of disrespect in this world. You know, there is levels of, I don't think violence is ever a route you need to go, but there is versions, uh, like there is times where some people are very, very, very disrespectful in the way that they act. And I could see where there would be a place where there'd be very hard words to communicate to that person. Like if I was walking with my 
my girlfriend or my wife or my fiance and another man touched her inappropriately. I don't, what are the, like, I'm going to think of the words that I'm going to say, but what are the words in that moment? That level of disrespect to me. And I've never been in situations like that. That's why I never really know how I would act. I've been avoidant of, not avoidant, those things haven't entered my space. You know, as you kind of say, none of those situations have entered my space. So I've never had to be in a position where violence felt like the right answer. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that situation is a whole another. That's a whole episode, I think. <laughs> because it's like, what do you do in that yeah. moment, right? You can avoid violence your whole entire life and whatever, and and not want that, right? Yeah. I don't want that moment where someone's bleeding and it's at my disposal, or so something even worse than that happens, and it's at my discretion. I did that, but like that level of disrespect to me is mm-hmm. beyond disrespect. So I do understand where violence is or how it can be in this world when moments you, when people bring up things like that, Mm because I find it really hard to wrap my head around a conversation at that point, Mm -hmm. even though I've never been put in that space, I'm just foresighting it. That'd be a tough place to have a conversation in. I'm a bit in my coaching bag right now, so I'm trying to pull myself out just to have a conversation. I usually get wrapped up in my coaching bag, so I'm trying to not get there. But there's so many things that came from what you said, and there's so many things we can attach to. I think anger is clearly a larger topic than we had anticipated, which is why we're giving it full full breath here in this episode. But one thing that I do want to share is when we have something that happens like that where it often seems in that moment where you were young and you were just kind of, you know, in a way pain for pain moment. Um, I struggle with that response. Um, so I'm going to challenge you to look into that a little bit more only because, um, I, I believe that we don't act uh, on accordance with pain for pain because we don't have intentions to cause pain. We have intentions to protect. So when we're in those moments of fighting somebody or, um, getting angry at people in really abrasive ways, it's not often because, um, they did something inherently super wrong. It's often because we're trying to find a way to protect ourselves. So in that moment, um, I'm not going to do this with you, but for anybody listening, um, I, there's a, a practice out there where you ask yourself, um, five to seven whys. So you would start with why the, the surface level, why did, um, I hit him or you could even start with your thoughts of why he hit you, but we'll say, you know, why, why did I, why did I cross check him? Okay. It was cause he hit me. Okay. Well, why was I so angry? Because he hit me. Well, cause he caused me pain. Okay. Well, why was I so upset that he caused me pain? And then you just go down the route and you end up getting to a what point. What would the answer to that question be? I'm not sure. Cause it's not my experience, but that that's the, that's, that would be where the buck stops. Where would, would, okay. would, would there be another, what is, what's after that? I don't know. Then that's the practice that I, I would do with the client to get them to see what's going on in regards to where the, the pain came from. Cause we're not designed to inflict pain, right? Even though there's people out there that are causing pain, we're not designed to cause pain. We're always designed to protect. So even the people who are doing some of the worst crimes out there and, and look like they're intentionally causing pain, they're protecting themselves. They're doing everything possible to protect themselves, which is led fully by their ego. Yeah, like which I probably I probably didn't want to get slashed again. 
Right, right. So that would be the protecting of so myself. So in your situation, I actually was thinking about it too, is is you're a communicator. You're not a physicality person, right? So communicating wasn't working for you, but it's always been working for you. So my initial thought was you might feel confused and un- misunderstood as to why he's not listening to what my words are because I've been conditioned that when you get told something, you listen. So there was, an for me, just listening in, it was almost as if the way that you had been taught things work was being thrown at you by saying this doesn't work all the time but it always worked for you and so your identity could have been triggered and again i don't know the answer to that but i know for me any any part where i'm like expressing an aggressive amount of anger it's always because i'm doing something inside of my, my ego is trying to protect me from something and trying to protect me from some some pain of feeling like who i think i am is not actually who i am my opinion is not actually the right opinion and that's where a lot of anger comes from that's why it says it's a secondary emotion because it shows up as our ego's way of protecting whatever we feel is actually who we are and if we're overly attached to who we are and not open to new experiences then it's going to fight and literally do anything it can to make sure that it's protected and that it doesn't make the move it doesn't change because it's not designed to change we have to force the ego to change we have to force change our brain no one nothing of our of our system mentally wants to change so i just wanted to prompt that thought um, because there's so many into it and then share a bit of that ego stuff. Uh, But we could talk about this forever. Something I do want to share is I came across this thing called the arousal cycle of anger. It's the anger arousal cycle. I've never came across this before. It was really interesting. And it essentially breaks down. It's kind of like the grief, um, five stages to grief, uh, 12 stages to grief, 12, five, 12. I'm not sure. Um, I should probably know that. Uh, The anger arousal cycle is five stages. So the first one is trigger. Easy right? You get triggered. We already know that happens. You get triggered and something happens. Then there's escalation. So you go from trigger and then you start to get escalated because you've allowed the trigger to escalate. I'm going to, I'm going to key in on that. You've allowed the trigger to escalate from escalation. You go to the crisis. So that's usually where things go inherently really wrong. That could have been the cross check, for example, right? That's crisis. Then you go into recovery, right? Which you're slowly coming down from that space. Your, your body is calming down you maybe have seen like okay that happened like you see the reality of the repercussions and then they call the last one um post-recovery depression which is essentially like a rapid slowdown of your heartbeat to balance the equilibrium so it comes back to its normal pace and in that moment we feel intense guilt shame and just really poor feelings so i just I, i don't really have a context as to what that means yet but i thought it was really cool because for me where i see this being super effective in our lives is how do we stop at trigger how do we not get to escalation and crisis and then recovery and depression how do we stop at trigger so if i get triggered how do i become so good and so self-aware that i'm triggered that it doesn't move beyond that yeah, yeah. You know what I, I mean? Or how do you stop escalation, you mean? Because you yeah, can't yeah. Really stop triggering. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. So trigger's going to happen for the rest of our lives. doesn't yeah. matter how much work we put in. But how do we begin to remove the opportunity for re- escalation to get there by just becoming overly aware of what our triggers are? And like, what tr- what's triggered me in the past? Well, how did I react then? Why was that, tr- was that triggering for me? And then once we see it once, then we when it comes up again, it's really easy to see. Mm-hmm. We might not react... Pro- 
properly and maybe we'll get to escalation but not crisis right that's just like maybe our slow yeah, we don't want to see crisis we don't want to see crisis but we fall into crisis in smaller ways all the time so for me it was just something that i thought was really cool um cool to share in regards to like the the stages i guess it was interesting yeah no that's that creates a lot of self-awareness um and then last thing i'll share again because i said i was in my coaching bag is um anger is a secondary emotion but we didn't touch on that a lot um which we can probably in future episodes but the reason that we it's considered a secondary emotion is because it's simply just the expression of so they classify anger in four different ways Um, one's justifiable anger so that's like moral outrage so things that are going on in the world like for example COVID right now a lot of people feel like their anger is justified that's justifiable anger and it comes out and expressive in like really abrasive and dominant ways the other one is annoyance annoyance style anger that's what happens all day long you say something i'm annoyed i walk down and i stub my toe i'm annoyed that's in a form of anger although it might not come out as anger annoyance is the underlying feeling and anger is the expression it's basically how i'm represent how is this was represented um, aggressive anger we already know that's physical anger that's verbal uh, abuse and then the last one i just want the reason i wanted to share this is temper tantrums And the reason that I wanted to share that one is because I think a really valuable tool for us as adults is to start looking at ourselves like we're having many temper tantrums. Because once you start to classify something as a temper tantrum, you kind of just realize like, am I too? Like, am I being, I'm being a four-year-old right now. Mm -hmm. And if you can look at it that way, then it's, it's all jokes. It's all laughs and you can move forward. Or maybe you give yourself a timeout for having a temper tantrum, you know? Like it's that, if you can look at it in those ways, I just think it's a great, it's a great practice. It's a great tool. Be like, man, I'm having a temper tantrum right now. Or you can call me out, right? And you could be like, are you having a temper tantrum right now? And I'll be offended for a moment. And then I'll be like, man, I probably am. You know, it just seems easier to come at than if I were to say, bro, you need to stop being so damn angry. I'd Mm -hmm. probably be like, no, and I'll get angrier. You know, I think it's just a different language change. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into the next episode because we're running out of time. But I think that to combat what you just said, we need to also focus on how to express your anger. Because if you're having a temper tantrum that's valid, I just need you to express it in a better way. Mm. It's not always that if you're angry, it's unjustifiable. It's not real. It's not, you can feel anger. Mm. So we kind of need to start working towards, you know, um, and hopefully we can do it in another episode of like, what are ways to start expressing anger? Because anger all emotions teach you things, right? Every emotion is an emotion that just teaches you something. Absolutely. So how can you leverage anger for a positive outcome um, instead of, you know, a negative one? What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember that it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.